the influence of Satan in this fallen world can be seen all around us. Uh, the darkness at times may seem to be growing more and more. Uh, and for believers, we wonder why. Uh, we wonder why this continues, uh, why the world continues in this broken way. And we wonder and long for the day that it will finally come to an end. And the passage today is going to show us another example of uh, Christ's coming and uh, setting someone free from Satan's control with the casting out of a demon. And in that, he's going to teach us that that's what he's coming to do in a much broader sense. Our sermon today is titled, Jesus the Savior who destroyed Satan's stronghold. He is the Savior who destroyed Satan's stronghold. So turn with me to Luke chapter 11. I'm going to read our verses 14 through 28 and then pray for us. Now, he was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon came out, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowds were amazed. But some of them said, He drives out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. And others, as a test, were demanding a sign from heaven, demanding of him a sign from heaven. Knowing their thoughts, he told them, Every kingdom divided against itself is headed for destruction, and a house divided against itself falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say, I drive out demons by Beelzebul. And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons drive them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, Guards his estate, his possessions are secure. But when one stronger than he attacks and overpowers him, he, he takes from him all his weapons that he trusted in, and he divides up his plunder. Anyone who is not with me is against me, and anyone who does not gather with me scatters. When an unclean spirit comes out of a person, it roams through waterless places looking for rest. And not finding rest, it then says, I'll go back to my house that I came from. Returning, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and settle down there. As a result, that person's last condition is worse than the first. As he was saying these things, a woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the one who nursed you. He said, Rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. And today, as we do each week, we confess it as true. We confess it as vital for our lives and we ask God for you to work in our hearts and minds so that we will understand and that we will respond accordingly as you would have us do to its truth. 
It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So the central truth today is that Jesus came to destroy Satan's stronghold. Jesus came to destroy Satan's stronghold. That's part of what he was coming to do, is to destroy the stronghold that Satan had in this world. And before we get to the points, uh, what I want to do is remind us of the spiritual state of every person outside of Jesus Christ. Because when we read texts like this, we are... Uh, the vast majority of us in the West especially, but, and in today's time, are so far removed from the idea of demon possession uh, that we listen to a text like this and we think, well, I don't really understand this. Uh, and I certainly don't understand how something like this kind of applies to me. And so what I want us to do before we get into the points from this text is to remind us all of the spiritual state that we are all in apart from Jesus Christ. Before coming to faith in Jesus, this is true for every one of us. Scripture says that we all sin. We are all sinners. We've all rebelled against God in some way. Every person in this world. And Romans says that that is true. And then because that is true, because we have all rebelled against God, we have all sinned against a holy and perfect God, Scripture goes on to say that we are under condemnation because of our sins. We are deserving of God's wrath because of our sins. And so listen to how Paul describes us. This is a description that is fitting for every person apart from Jesus Christ. So in Ephesians, and we've looked at this passage before probably a couple of times, but a good reminder, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the Spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children of under wrath, as the others were also. And so Paul here says that outside of Christ, before coming to faith in Christ, every person in this world is spiritually dead. Every person is living under the rule of Satan, in a sense. Uh, that does not mean every person is possessed by a demon. I'm not, not implying that. But because of our sinful hearts, we are living in opposition to a holy God and we are living a life under the rule of Satan. Every single person, this is our spiritual state. And as we uh, continue on in Ephesians, he goes on to say, But God, who was rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, made us alive in Christ Jesus. Yes, hallelujah. Praise the Lord that that is true. 
He made us alive in Jesus Christ. We were living in opposition to God under the rule of Satan. And God in His kindness to us set us free from that. And so I want us to hold on to that uh, because that's an important thing for us who may read a text or, or listen to a text that's talking about demon possession and think, I don't see how this applies to me or anyone I know. It's important for us to remember that we've still been set free if we are in Christ from the rule of Satan. And so let's hold on to that uh, and remember that central truth as we walk through this text that Jesus came. This is part of why he came. He came to destroy Satan's stronghold in this world and in our lives. The first point I want us to see from this text back in Luke 11 is this. Jesus' power over demons was a demonstration of God's coming kingdom. Jesus' power over demons was a demonstration of God's coming kingdom. Let's look back at verse 14 through 20 of Luke 11. Now, he was driving out a demon that was mute. And when the demon came out, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowds were amazed. But some of them said, He drives out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. And others, as a test, were demanding of him a sign from heaven. Knowing their thoughts, he told them every kingdom divided against itself is headed for destruction. A house divided against itself falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say, I drive out demons by Beelzebul. By whom do your sons I'm sorry. And if I drive them out by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons drive them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So Jesus' power over demons is a demonstration of God's coming kingdom. And so here we see another uh, example of Jesus casting out a demon from a man. Uh, this demon caused the man uh, to be completely unable to speak. He was mute. Unable to speak, it doesn't say how long, but for a uh, likely a lengthy period of time, he cannot say a word. He can't communicate other than by body language to individuals that he knows. And Jesus cast out the demon. He sets the man free from the control of the demon, and the man is able to speak again. He's been freed and can speak again, and the people are amazed. It says the crowd is amazed at what has taken place because they, they're sitting there, they've known this man who has been unable to speak because of this, and now he can talk again. But even in that, even in the people being amazed at what what has taken place, we see that there are still people that are denying him and there are still people that are doubting him. So first, the, the deniers. Uh, now, the Pharisees have already taken their stand against him. Other, other groups of the, the religious elites of the Jews have taken their stand against Jesus. 
and so the problem for them here is they've seen the miracle. They can't deny that it didn't happen. They're, the crowd is there watching this man who is unable to speak to be set free from the demonic control. And so they can't deny that he did it because the people all saw. So what they have to do is deny where does that authority come from? Where does that power come from? And so they say, well, the only reason he can do this is because it is through the power of Beelzebul. By the time of Jesus' ministry, Beelzebul had become kind of a, a synonymous name that the, that the Hebrews used for, uh, for Satan. Uh, it comes from a Canaanite god, uh, Beelzebub, the lord of the flies. And by Jesus' ministry, Jews typically would use this oftentimes, this name, Beelzebul, as a reference to Satan. And so the deniers, not being able to deny the miracle, have to say, well, it's not from God. This has to be through the power of Satan that he can cast out a demon. Because Satan is over all the demons. So there's the group of the deniers. And then we have the doubters. They've seen the miracle, but now they want to see something more. Like, show us some cosmic sign. Show us a, a sign from heaven that you really are the, the chosen one. Give us some kind of proof. Right? This is the, uh, the people in the presence of the Son of God witnessing God free a man from demonic control. And their response is, well, what else you got? You know, really show us something amazing. And then maybe we'll believe. So two groups there. Everyone amazed at what's happened, but they've also got the deniers and the doubters. Jesus answers to the deniers first. He'll reference people who want a sign, who demand a sign later on in the chapter. We'll see that in a week or two. Uh, but... First, he's going to speak to those who have said the only reason he can do this is because it's the power of Satan working in him. And so his argument that he answers with is just an argument of logic. He says, just think about things. If a, if a kingdom is at war with itself, that kingdom will fall. They will not be able to stand the test of time if a kingdom of people goes to war with itself. If a house is divided amongst itself, it will fall down. It will be destroyed. And so he uses that logical argument to say, it's not possible for me to be doing this in the power of Satan because Satan wouldn't work that way. He wouldn't allow for uh, division in his own kingdom, he wouldn't allow that to take place. And then the second argument that he makes, after logically saying, that's not how the world works, he goes on to say, there's other people who cast out demons. So if that's the case, if I am doing this by the power of Satan, what about your sons? Now the word there doesn't mean actually sons, but what about your, uh, the people, your own people who cast out demons? Do they do this in the power of Satan also? Which of course they can't say yes. 
And so Jesus destroys their argument that this is through the power of Satan that he is able to do this. And then in verse 20, he says, If I do this, if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So your argument can't be true. It's not by the power of Satan. It must be by the power of God. And if that's the case, then the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is in your presence right now. Now that phrase, the finger of God, means like the definite work of God. It says only God could do something like this. And it's a phrase actually that goes back to uh, the plagues when Moses was getting ready to deliver the people out of Egypt, out of their bondage in Egypt under Pharaoh. And God is sending these plagues and Pharaoh would have his magicians try to replicate it. And the plague of the gnats... The magicians are called and are told, like, do the same thing. Demonstrate that you can do the same thing, that you can bring forth gnats from the earth. And they can't. And their response to Pharaoh was, this is none other than the finger of God. This is God at work. This isn't magic. We've done everything we could and we can't do this. And so Jesus referencing back to a time when God's people were going to be set free and it being a work of God and only God, He uses that language to say, I really am here from God. I do these things in the power of God and the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God has, is here. So Satan has been allowed a certain amount of power. And he still has some. But now Jesus comes in and is setting people free from Satan's control. A new king has arrived. And a new kingdom has come. And it's just a foretaste of what Christ is going to do when he comes the second time. Now, we've looked at these uh, verses, I believe, another time when we saw Jesus casting out a demon, but it's important for us to see this. When Jesus demonstrates his power over uh, demons and his power over Satan, he's showing what he's coming to do when he comes the second time. And so in Revelation, we see some of the clearest descriptions of that, of him defeating Satan once and for all, and him setting up a kingdom where all evil is destroyed. And so in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10, the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. When Christ returns and He's promised to return, when Christ returns, Satan will be destroyed. He will be. And this was just these, these miracles were just a foretaste of what's to come. And then we see the kingdom that's coming where Christ rules. 
Revelation 21, starting in verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and He will live with them They will be His peoples and God Himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things passed away. And Mickey, I'm going to stop at verse 4. A new king and a new kingdom where Satan will have no rule and where all evil will be wiped out, all brokenness destroyed, things restored to the way that God intended them to be. We don't have to wonder if it's going to happen. It will happen. And Jesus' power over demons is the demonstration of the coming kingdom. It's a demonstration of the kingdom of God where all evil has been wiped out. The second point from the text in Luke 11 is this. Jesus disarmed Satan and set us free. Jesus disarmed Satan and set us free. Verse 21 and 22, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his estate, his possessions are secure. But when one stronger than he attacks and overpowers him, he takes from him all his weapons that he trusted in, and he divides up his plunder. Now this is this and the next section are a couple of stories that you think, what's Jesus talking about here? Uh, so it's important for us to keep in the context of what's just taken place. Uh, Jesus has come in where Satan is in control of this man's body. He's unable to speak because of the demonic possession. And Jesus came in and set him free from that. And so this little story in these two verses are a picture of Satan and Christ coming to set free his people. And so the first strong man is the picture of Satan. He's armed. He's guarding his estate. He has control over individuals in this world. And it says his possessions are secure. However, a stronger man has come. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, steps into the brokenness of this world and He attacks and He disarms Satan and sets people free, divides up the plunder. All the the people that were under the control of Satan's influence have been freed from that. And so that story is the picture of, of Christ coming and overpowering Satan, which is what he's just done in this miracle. It's what Jesus came to do, to strip Satan of his power, to set people free. And the way he does that, of course, is unexpected. Uh, the way he does that ultimately is going to be by dying for us. 
dying in our place, the death that we deserved. But by dying in our place, He actually frees us from the condemnation that we stood under. I love the the picture that C.S. Lewis gives in his... um, in his story, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, because he captures some of that story of the, the uh, freedom that comes from Christ dying in our place. And so Aslan the lion has agreed to lay down his life so that Edmund the traitor could be set free. And in that, we read these words. He's He's died in the place of Edmund. However, he came back to life. And Lucy and her sister are talking to Aslan and wondering how this all took place. And Aslan says, if she could have looked a little further back into the stillness, into the darkness before time dawned, she would have read a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, that the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. Death itself would start working backwards. The brokenness of this world would start to be undone. And that's what Jesus did. He came and died in our place. The death that we deserve and the brokenness is starting to be undone. Even death for those who would come to Him. Hebrews chapter 2 says this. Verse 14 and 15. Now, since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these so that through His death He might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. Jesus put on flesh and came and lived a perfect life and then died for us. And He did that so that we could be free. He did that to destroy Satan. Defeated Satan and set us free. We no longer have to be afraid of death. We no longer have to be afraid of standing before God if we have trusted in Christ. There's no condemnation for us if we are in Jesus. And so Jesus came to disarm Satan and set us free. And now we see the response to that reality that we should have. Because Jesus is going to give warnings here. Jesus warns us. The third point is this. Jesus warns us against denial or indifference. Jesus warns us against denial or indifference. So Christ has come. He's setting people free from the power of Satan. And then He warns, like, the time to do something about this is now. The time to respond is now. The time to receive the freedom that has been made available to you is now. So He warns against denial or indifference. Verse 23-28 through 28. 
Anyone who is not with me is against me. And anyone who does not gather with me scatters. When an unclean spirit comes out of a person, it roams through the waterless places looking for rest. And not finding rest, it then says, I'll go back to my house that I came from. Returning, it finds the house swept and put in order. And then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and settle down there. As a result, the person's last condition is worse than the first. As he was saying these things, a woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the one who nursed you. He said, Rather, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So verse 23, there's, there's no neutral ground when it comes to where you stand with Jesus Christ. You're either with Him or you are against Him. You can't ride the fence on this. And then verse 24 to 26, this is the, the couple of verses that really makes you wonder, what in the world is this talking about? But remember, Jesus is trying to tell people it's time to decide, it's time to respond, it's time to receive the freedom that's been made available through me. And so he tells this story about a demon being cast out from someone. And if that person does nothing concerning that, then it is more deadly for them. They will still remain under the control of Satan. So to be freed or have the freedom available to you from the condemnation that we all stand under and do nothing about it would be like an individual who's been set free from demonic control and then doesn't really care to be filled with the Spirit of God and under the control of God. And to do nothing would be remaining under the control of Satan and it will actually be worse for the individual. You would remain in the domain of darkness. And then in verse 27 and 28, we have a woman crying out from the crowd, uh, making a statement about how blessed Mary must be. And it's a way to honor Jesus, right? It's saying, she's saying like, it must be a tremendous blessing to be your mother, Like it's a recognition of how great Jesus Christ is. Uh, And so to say, your mother must be blessed. The woman who carried you in her body, the woman who nursed you, is a blessed woman to be able to look up and say, that's my son. And so she's acknowledging this blessing and acknowledging the greatness of Jesus. But Jesus goes on to say, there's a greater blessing There's a blessing that's available to everyone. There's only one person that carried Jesus in her womb. But He's come so that there can be a blessing for all people. For anybody who would trust in Him. They can receive a greater blessing. And so He says the true blessing is to hear the Word of God and obey to, to hear the good news that Christ has set you free and to believe that and to receive that. So Jesus is warning against those who deny what He's come to do and those who would be indifferent 
to what he has come to do. And the opposite response, of course, is to receive him, to believe in him. And so we look to the Gospel of John to see how we should respond. John 1, verse 12, But to all who did receive Him, talking about receiving Jesus, to all who did receive Him, He gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in His name. And then John three sixteen and 17, For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. So He's warned against denial and indifference. And then God's Word says, so instead of denying what Jesus has come to do, and instead of being indifferent to what He's come to do, believe Believe in Jesus Christ. Receive Jesus Christ. Receive the freedom that has come from Jesus Christ. If we receive Him, we will be children of God. If we believe in Him, we will be given eternal life. But to deny Him, to remain indifferent to what Jesus has done, leaves us condemned and facing God's judgment. So we started with the bad news of the spiritual state of every single person outside of Christ. We are spiritually dead outside of Jesus Christ. We are children under God's wrath. Some of your translations say children of wrath. And we are facing God's judgment because of our sin. But that was not God's desire for us. And so Christ came. He came to set us free from the control of Satan in our lives. And He came as a demonstration of the coming kingdom when Christ comes again to rule. He disarmed Satan. He set us free. And so if you have not trusted in Christ, if you have not received Him or believed in Him, the warning that Jesus makes at the end of this section is a warning for you. The time to decide is now. Don't remain indifferent to the freedom that's available in Jesus Christ. Believe in Him and you will be saved. Receive Christ and you will be set free. And you will be adopted as a child of God. And so if you want to know more about that, please talk with me after the service. Schedule a time to talk with me. You can fill out one of the yellow response cards and and just say you'd like to schedule a meeting with the pastor. I'd love to share more about the good news of the gospel with you and the freedom that's available to us if we would come. Now church, of course, this is not just a salvation message For those who have not believed, that's what is necessary now. But this is an important reminder for us believers. If we have trusted in Jesus Christ, we have been set free. 
We are free from the control of Satan. We are free from the bondage of sin. We no longer have to walk in the ways of wickedness that we walked outside of Christ. And with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live in freedom and live a life that is honoring to God. We can walk in freedom that's available to us. And we can push back the darkness in this world because of what Christ has done. And in addition to that, we have a message of hope. And we need that desperately. In this broken, dark world, we need hope. And this message is one of hope for us, church. That Christ has come and He has disarmed Satan and the victory is secured because He died in our place. And if we've trusted in Jesus, there's nothing that can condemn us. We are free. And He will return. And all evil will be destroyed. And we will be in a new kingdom with a perfect king. And it will be the kingdom that we have always longed for. No more brokenness. No more pain. No more grief and sorrow and tears. It's gone. And the victory is secure because of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. And we will be in the presence of God. So let's hold on to the hope that we've been given, church. Let's hold on to that hope in this dark world, knowing that Christ has already disarmed Satan. And He will completely destroy him when He comes again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You are so good to us. We thank You for the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. For those who have not trusted in Jesus, for those who have not received Jesus, Holy Spirit, I pray that You work now. Draw them to Christ today. Help them believe today. And for Your church, God, we pray that You will help us walk in the freedom that's available to us because of Christ Jesus. And help us hold on to hope because of what Jesus has accomplished. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.